This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by two former United youth players to talk over another very difficult week for Manchester United. It might sound like this is a re-record of, of previous episodes, unfortunately. Um, same problems, different days. Uh, so a lot of the same stuff you might be familiar with, but at the same time, a lot of um, new things to talk about as well. Joined by Lee Lawrence, first of all. How are you doing, Lee? You all right? I'm okay, I'm okay, mate. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, been in about 10 minutes again from work, so it was a quick wash and uh, straight onto the podcast. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the cast, although there's not many positives we can take from it. Obviously, um, have a bit of a conversation about what we need, what we think we need to, to improve on to go forward. And like we've just been saying, then try and literally start our season all over with probably 10 games or more in. Yeah, yeah, um, and also evening, Phil. How are you doing? A bit eventful week for you, Phil. You've um, got a new job. Yeah, very eventful, mate. So um, I had an appointment at the hospital um, just to sort of check over the me injury. I had an operation, obviously, not so long ago. Um, that's healing okay, but it's still not fully healed. So I've, I've been told sort of after Christmas is probably a more realistic timescale for, for when I can uh, maybe start back playing properly because uh, I need to have some uh, some sort of metal work removed out of my foot. Um, but yeah, just just obviously had a phone call from one of my friends who's just got uh, a job and and obviously offered me um, a, a part in that. And you know, I think it's a really good opportunity for me to uh, sort of go in there and obviously help out with some uh, coaching and and just you know, it's a great club. It's a good facility. Um, and it's at a good level of football, so I just think it's a good opportunity for me to go in and, and sort of get that little bit more experience at um, a high level and, and test myself really as well, and hopefully help some of these younger players who are trying to you know make a living out of the game. Nice one. Um, if you're watching back on, uh, well, if you're watching live on YouTube, feel free to get your comments and questions. And if you're watching live as well, please subscribe and like the video. If you're watching the replay. Do comment. We do reply to the comments. And if you're listening back on the audio podcast, if you can subscribe on the platform you're listening on, if you can leave a review on the platform you're listening on as well, we really, really appreciate that. And it helps us out a lot. Um, Yeah, it never rains, but it pours at Old Trafford and so much um, negative stuff to talk about this weekend and and the bad stuff. 
depressing things and, and really the first thing to talk about is the, the really really tragic and sad passing today of Kathy Ferguson the the wife of Sir Alex um that there's sayings you know like every every great man has a great woman behind them that's definitely definitely true of Sir Alex um Kathy was a he rock through some very dark days at Old Trafford and I don't know how many people are aware of this but she was the catalyst really behind his u-turn from retirement in 2001 she stayed at 2003 so if you're not for the sorry stayed in 2002 and, and signed a new contract and obviously we wouldn't have seen a, another european cup or we might not have seen another european cup we certainly wouldn't have seen the great team in the same way that it was you know wayne Rooney, cristiano ronaldo the future would have looked very different might not have passed liverpool on league titles yet and these two lads um, sat beside me on the podcast this evening wouldn't have had the opportunity to be managed by Sir Alex. So, um, just monumental figure and, you know, United, because obviously football up until very recently, uh, Manchester United at least, were predominantly a men's team, a men's club, that the number of um, influential women associated with United, uh, the list was you know quite small still is really because it's uh, you know the the female side of the game is growing but um kathy ferguson was definitely on that list as a massively influential figure and um it's a sad day for the ferguson family and a sad day for for manchester united as well um and it has been a sad week disappointing week and crystal palace um defeated us at the weekend extremely extremely disappointing week but we could be sat here all night talking about calamitous defeats and I think there's enough from Galatasaray to pick the bones out of because it was such a kamikaze game um started well Hoyland scoring Rashford crossing you know Hoyland looked the business and then we conceded a goal straight away and then in the second half Hoyland scores this sensational goal where he puts the afterburners on gets beyond the defender and you're thinking all right we mean business finally that was a goal that really it was a, a difficult start to that second half at Old Trafford because we were starting to notice a lot of trouble around us with the Turkish fans that had got into the, the home section section and the you know the lack of segregation there and the issues that have since been talked about by the club. So there's a really mad atmosphere around us um, in on, in all pockets of the stadium, by the way. Um, so when Hoyland scored, it really felt like there's a weird kind of electricity around. And then we conceded a goal straight away after that concede a penalty um casemiro sent off and you know they missed the penalty and then they go through and score the winner straight after that and just absolutely bonkers game of football and united now um will be looking you know unfortunately be looking to get third place in Euro europa league i know yeah there's four games still to be played and anything can happen in turkey but realistically speaking united have been handed um, a very hard reality check in this competition so far. Uh, Phil, come to you first on this one. Um, what did you make of what you saw on Tuesday night? If you've if you've been able to compute what happened on Tuesday night yet, um, what sense have you made out of it? Yeah, as you say, it was a crazy game. Um, I think, as you said again, which has been a pattern all season, we have started the games pretty well. You know, the first twenty minutes looks on the front foot. Obviously, got our noses in front, um, but. Again, I think it, it came down to, you know, just not having that sort of leadership and sort of, um, you know, mentality at the back. 
and to smell danger and to sort of manage the game. Um, as you say, we, we scored a goal uh, to go 2-1 up and then conceded again straight away, which has sort of been a reoccurring theme throughout the season. Um, obviously, the injuries have, have been a massive hindrance. Um, but again, you know, we've got some seasoned pros there that should be doing a lot better. Um, again, you, you look at, um, you know, the positives from the other night. I think Hoyland was was brilliant. Uh, the sort of way he, he took both of his goals was was outstanding. I think obviously that was by far his best performance that we've seen. Um, the the second goal sort of reminded me a little bit of uh, Van Nistelrooy. Not, not in the same way, but, you know, as a centre-forward, when you have that arrogance to just pick up a ball and, and, you know, head for goal and just, you know, have the confidence to just go through and score. I think, you know, he was, was brilliant the other night. Um, but yeah, just, just disappointed, obviously now to, to sort of be uh, no points from two games, it's going to be an uphill task. I did say last, last week, I think it was going to be a battle between ourselves and Galatasaray for second place. Um and obviously that's been made a lot harder now with with the game um, at home losing. I think you've got to win your home games in, in the Champions League if you've got any chance of going through. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a difficult task for us. And obviously just touching on the Palace game, I think, for me, the players that uh, didn't play in the, the League Cup game uh, who came back in sort of didn't do enough. And I felt... Really sorry for Hannibal, who, who didn't really get that opportunity. I think the energy that he's shown and in the previous games with the, the performances that he's been putting in, uh, I, I think he will feel really disappointed that he didn't really get a chance to, to carry on that good form. I did say if, you, if you're playing well, you should keep the shirt. I think he would have made a big difference in that game because um, the energy wasn't there and it looked really flat. And we, we just didn't look like we was going to break Crystal Palace down. I think we could have played till you know, the weekend after and we still wouldn't have put the ball on the back of the net. I think it was just that bad. Um, you know, players looked shot and, and a lack of confidence and, and it was really worrying because you obviously look at the start of the season and, and sort of to only be, um, you know, picking up points against, you know, Burnley, Nottingham Forest and Wolves and, and to be fair in them games, we, we, we rode our luck and, and sort of, on another day, could have only come away with a point or or no points. So it's going to be a really, really difficult uh, couple of weeks. I think the only thing that is a good thing is we've got a lot of home games coming up. And I think obviously the fans will, will try and get behind the team as much as they can. Um, but we, we definitely need to sort of improve and, and, and get some, um, some players back in because the, we've shown that the, the depth of the squad uh, and when we do you know, have to rely on other players on a consistent basis. We we just aren't there and we've we've shown that we're we're, we're not up to the task on, on sort of numerous occasions. Yeah, very, very tough night. Um Lee, before we came on air, you were saying that you actually felt United had the better of the game against Galatasaray. Um but obviously, you know, we threw it away from two one up. What did you make of it? It's just so disappointing, mate. I, I, I generally think when you when you watch the match back, we were we were probably the better side overall. Um, but we can't we can't defend the lead. We just can't defend the lead at the minute. You know, it's a lack of discipline. It's again watching the goals, lack of effort, people jogging back. You know, it's it's just basics of football. Which if we did them right, we would have won the game. I mean, and 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 also missing the chances we had. I mean, 
what I can remember off the top of my head, Mason Mount had two good chances. Fernandez right at the beginning. Um, Rashford were, instead of basically one-on-one, five, ten yards out, squaring a ball and not making the pass to Fernandez. Obviously due to what what I would presume was a, a complete lack of confidence. Um, you know, it's it's a game that we should have won and should have won quite easily. Um, and I think I put it on my Twitter at the end of the game. It, for me, we were just a mess at the minute. Um, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I think the clubs, the clubs a mess from from the top downwards. You know, we've got we've got owners what for me don't give a toss about the club. All they're bothered about is money, which I get the businessmen at the end of the day. But you think they'd, you know, they give they they give. They care, but it's a little bit. For me, they don't. They don't care whatsoever. Um, we've got players, which are getting suspended and getting left out of of the starting eleven and the squads for different reasons, which they shouldn't be. We've got players calling the manager out. Um, for me, it's just it's not Man United. It's not the way we are. It's not the way the club runs. Um, and it, it's it's the only way I can describe it for me is is a, is a big mess at the minute, and it needs it needs clearing up. But I think until something gets sorted from the top. With the with the glazes and uh, that you know that that issue gets resolved, whether they're staying, whether they're going, whether they're selling, that needs to get sorted first, and then and then hopefully once that gets sorted, that'll trickle down to <clears throat> to the squad and and the players. Um, and I've got to include Tenag in that too a little bit. Um, don't really want to call him out too much, but we was on about it just a fair minute ago about you know I'm about playing left back. Um, Every person I've spoken to, United fan or not, for me it seems clear what everybody's saying. Why in the hell have we signed? Bear in mind, it's a player that I was screaming out for us for to sign. I'm about, you know, I thought he, he, he'd be a player that would come in and sit next to Casemiro and strengthen our, our midfield up no ends. And we're playing him at uh, a right footed defensive midfield player at left back. You know, it's it, for me it makes no sense. I mean, you've got Deloitte can play left back all the way, you know, he's right footed, but he knows that position. He knows how to. He knows where to be and, and what runs to watch out for and how to play. That it's uh, <clears throat> for me. It's an old brainer. You've got to put Dallow at, at left back and put Lindelof at right back and choose who you're putting in at centre half and put put Amrabat where where you know where he's going to be effective for the for the team. And if we do that, we won't get past past through as easily because at the minute every team we've played just just cutting and slicing through our, our midfield like we're non-existent. Um, so yeah, I've got to I've got to get on to back a little bit about that because I, I just feel like he's making the wrong decision playing him about where he's playing him. Uh, and the other thing, the last thing I took from it was I've I've tried to not pass judgment too quickly on Anana uh, and give him the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, he's, he's coming to a new league, new team. Um, but I've got to be completely honest. If if it come down to know me thinking who would have arrived having nets for the rest of the season, would it be the Gaya? Or would it be an hour? I'd be bringing back the game all day long, and that's that's my honest opinion. Um, I think it's kind of showing now, with how the team are performing, and not having the game in in the nets. And you just look back at how many times one-on-one saves and pulling worldly saves out. It probably saves and probably the only reason we're finished in you know where we've been finishing the last couple of years is because we've had the game in the nets. And for me, that's becoming more and more obvious as as, as the games go on. <clears throat> Quite brutal, Lely, and I can't um, disagree with um, what you're saying. Um, Phil, I'm going to bring you in on this point. What Lee was uh, mentioning, and we did talk about it briefly before before you joined us in the green room, um, which is a posh name of saying we were just waiting to press the go live button. <laughs> it's exactly the same colour, the, the, the grey screen. Um, 
the the Rashford chance, um, you know, play a low on confidence. Now you guys weren't at United when social media was quite as um, rife as it is now. Um, and obviously it's not just a case of people being on social media and, and saying things, but they tag him in stuff. And, you know, even a player with that, how many million followers he's got, you're going to see some of this stuff. And like, you know, it's not just criticism. Like Rashford in particular gets it in the neck more than anyone as, as much as, well, Maguire gets, I guess it as well. But they're, they're two really high-profile targets for, for criticism. And you get these idiots. There's no other word for it. Look, a footballer is in the public eye and they get praise. It's no different in theory to me in my profession. I write a book, I get praise. I also get criticism, right? That's what you've, happens when you put something out there or when you do something and it's somewhat in the public eye. You are there to get praise. Footballers very highly paid and, and, you know, get a lot of praise on this very public platform. And they also get a lot of criticism for when it doesn't go right. But and that that's part of the process and everyone understands that. What's not part of the process and what's not fair is the persecution and the personal abuse that these people get to the point where our captain's mum or our former captain's mum and, and sister and family members are coming out on social media and saying stuff. Even Garnacho's brother is on social media, like posting stuff about whether, you know, it's frustration and he deletes a lot of stuff if Garnacho doesn't come on. But what I mean is like these players have relatives who are seeing things, they're seeing the frustration, they're seeing, and it's a very, not toxic, but very volatile environment because things are so low, the mood's so low at the club and everyone's getting it in the neck. And because people are getting it in the neck and they don't want to be seen as the fall guy for the crisis at this club, and no one individual is, it's like Lee says, it's a lot of issues. There's a lot of defence there and you can understand that. But what I, I don't understand is the level of persecution from our people who are supposed, that they claim that they're supporters. So they put up a, a fail compilation there's one guy who was doing it week on week. He's like, every time Rashford plays, he starts up a new Word document and he's listing the minutes of the errors. I mean, you can do that for every single player. You can say that a player, you know, like you could do it for Kevin De Bruyne. You could do it for Haaland. You could say that they didn't do this right. You could make any player. Like on YouTube, I like, you can make them look good and you can make them look bad. And it's not fair because then they tag the player in the post and everyone is lumping in on this kind of thing. What I... I'm, I'm getting to in a long-winded way, Phil, is that's beyond the pale. That's too far. And do you agree? I mean, Lee somewhat made the point earlier that, you know, surely that's part of the reason why you see Rashford in the position that he's in. He's got so much time. He's got at least, in football terms, maybe three or four seconds to make a decision. He's running through. He's clear. He's got a chance to score. And he's probably thinking, I'm getting slagged off so much on, on social media by people who are saying that the fans... Should I pass it? Should I pass it? And by the time he's made the decision, it's too late. Uh, do you think that that sort of stuff played on his mind when you see the decision that he made on, on Tuesday night? Uh, well, I think, you know, clearly um, the, there was something on his mind because I think this time last year, he, he would have, you know, just buried that because he's, his confidence was, was through the roof, I think, last year, you know. Every time he got in a shooting position, he was looking uh, to pull the trigger. He was creating half a yard and getting shots off left, right and centre. Uh, he had that spring in his step. Um, 
But again, this year, I think, you know, since he's came back, yeah, you know, he, he's he's played okay in spells. Uh, he's, he's made quite a lot of assists. But you can see he's not quite got that, um, you know, glint in his eye. He's, he's not quite got that sort of, um, you know, swagger that he had last year. And, and again, a lot of that probably does come down to, you know, stuff that gets um, highlighted on social media. You know, me and Lee didn't really have any of that when, when we was playing because there wasn't that anything really about other than, you know, Facebook and stuff like that. So the scrutiny that some of these players are, are under, um, you know, on a week-to-week basis at such a big club, Man United, you know, biggest club in the world, spotlights on you every single week, um, every single detail, every single touch, you know, body language, you know, whether you don't run back, gets highlighted, gets shown gets you know sent people tagged in it and I do feel for the players at times because I think all this stuff is a lot to take on and and deal with and I think it is probably best for a lot of them to probably stay off social media and just not bother with it at all because the amount of uh, stick and abuse and compilations and you know all the stuff that that gets thrown around is is sort of brutal and and it would definitely uh, have an effect and and sort of you know make you feel um, you know, disvalued. So for me, I think Rashford at this moment in time, you can certainly see that he's he's got a lot of uh, weight on his shoulders. He's not playing with the freedom that he was last year. But I think that comes down to not just him, you know, as a team where we are at the moment, all the stuff that's been going on from the start of the season, uh, the ownership, um, you know, the manager, all these kind of issues that are going on with the club uh, are sort of being detrimental and it's all leaking onto the pitch. I think um, you can tell that uh, the mood around the camp isn't great. The team spirit's not there. There's no cohesion between the players. Um, and I just I just fear really that, you know, this is going to keep dragging on week by week and we're, and we're going to sort of, you know, by Christmas sort of be out of all competitions and, and sort of not playing for anything other than, you know, maybe trying to finish in the, the top six, seven, because I, I really can't see us, you know, finishing in the top four on, on current form and, and the way the club's uh, going at this moment in time. So it's it's really worrying times. Um, hopefully he can sort of pick himself up and, and try and, you know, forget about all this criticism and, and sort of, just get back to basics with with you know working hard and as a centre forward, it is um, frustrating at times because no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, things you try and pull off, things don't go your way. But you've got to just keep working through that. And, and what I mean by that is you've got to just work hard, do the basics, not feel sorry for yourself, not throw your arms about, not you know get disappointed when things don't fall your way. Because eventually you will turn the corner and, and then the goals will start to come. And I think the manager did come out and say that, um, you know, he has got faith that Rashford will come good. But that is only on the, um, you know, pretense that he keeps working hard and, and does his part. Because if, as I say, if he if he feels sorry for himself and, he and you know, he slumps into that sort of um, moody, sulky, you know, feeling sorry for himself, Marcus Rashford, that we've seen, you know, 18 months ago we're, we're sort of you know nobody's going to be a winner from that and and it's you know then going to be a difficult situation because he's probably going to have to start leaving him out and giving other players an opportunity um because the fan base won't put up with it yeah uh, interesting 
uh, comments there, Phil. Um, a comment from Talking Tennis Day says, Hi, guys, I'm not as down about the club as many are, and I'm far from an optimist. But, Lee, I want to come to you on, on the wider point that you were talking earlier about the, the takeover and everything like that, potential takeover. I mean, one one avenue, one train of thought is that it needs the takeover to fix the club and, and for things to start, you know, the takeover to be done or, or even some kind of public statement to say it's not happening so the the fans know where they stand and the club knows where, they, you know, everyone knows where they stand and can move forward from that position. So it does feel like there is a little bit of limbo there. So just like taking into account everything apart from a potential takeover, you know, Obviously, it would make better sense for there to be clarity sooner rather than later on that. And, and bearing in mind, let's say, for the sake of argument, there's a, an ongoing process with a takeover, and that means you're unlikely to see a manager get sacked. You know, like they, if, if someone's looking over the books, you're not going to see a massive financial decision like a manager getting sacked and all his staff room getting sacked and another one being brought in. Um, you're not going to see that kind of decision. You should, well, it's unlikely that you will in the short term. So taking all that into consideration, what does Tenog do with what's at his disposal? Yeah, Phil said going back to basics, and you said it earlier, and it's something that I, I did mention on Monday's podcast with Paul and Dave, that you know the, the obvious solution in defence is either putting Lindelof at right back or at least Amrabat there because... Lee will know this, but Phil will know it because he's played full fullback as well, and you played right fullback. Phil is that you don't, you didn't play left back for a reason, right? Because of the spatial awareness around you, and and uh, I think Mike Duxbury, I mentioned about Mike Duxbury, told me this when when he was playing, he could play right back because he was using his positional awareness on that right hand side because his right footed came natural to him, and obviously that's why you want a left footer on that side. Disappointing that Regalon's not going to be available tomorrow, but. Like you say, Lee, Dallo has played that position before, and maybe maybe Tenog's solution in the short term is, is something like stop playing the square pegs in the round holes. You know, go with something as back to basics as that. You know, put Dallo there. At least he's got experience in that position. And then maybe and it sounds like a really stupid thing, but looking at what the difference that Garnacho makes when he comes on, looking at the the difference that Hannibal makes to that midfield regardless of who misses out here. Uh, and I know Mount played probably his best game for the club against Galatasaray in amongst all that chaos. He still played pretty well. Um, but you want to flood that team with kids. You know, if Manu's available, you put him in. You try and put as many of them in as possible to galvanise the crowd. I mean, you know, obviously there's a drop-off in experience there. You're losing something there, but you are gaining a connection back with a crowd who were looking quite apathetic on, well, they have done the last couple of games, there's been a lot of frustration in, in the stands at Old Trafford. Um, Lee, long rambly question again, but how does Tenorg, from the, the what he's got available at it with him at the moment, including all the injuries, how does he tackle what's in front of him for the next month or so? Uh, it's a difficult one, Wayne. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said go back to basics. Uh, you know, don't try and overcomplicate don't try and shoe on players like we are doing. Um, obviously, the manager is the manager, and we've all got to we've all got to get on board with what he wants to do. Uh, he's seeing these lads week in week out in training. You know, he's um, he's the one what's making the decisions. And if it's the same as when we played, you know, you get picked 
although you train all week and if you train well all week and you're doing well and you, you, you're training better than your competitor in the team, then you're going to get picked. Um, I certainly don't disagree with putting a few young lads in if they're fit and available. Again, injury has been a, a, a massive problem for him. You know, it's, we've not only got the uncertainty with the club, with the ownership, like we said, from the top, where, like I said, just a bit of clarity on what's happening would, would do everyone a world of good. Instead of a guessing game, is it getting took over? Is it not getting took over? You know, so we've got that on top of everyone's head. That'll be on top of the manager's head too. He doesn't know, you know, if the managers are staying. Sorry, not the managers, if the, the owners are staying. What, what's going to be available to him, you know, money-wise and what he can and can't do. And, you know, so he's got that pressure too. Um, but if he did, like I said, we did get Kobe back soon. Um, Ganaccio, maybe Palistra. What you're going to gain there is you're going to gain a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of hard work and a lot of a lot of young lads wanting to impress to stay to stay acclaimed. You know, life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. To, to be part of the squad and part of the first team. Um, and you will get that relationship back with, with the fans. You know, Man United of a club were... We pride ourselves on bringing young legs free. Uh, we've done it for many, many, many years now. We're probably one of the best, if not the best, in, in England at doing that. Um, and I certainly wouldn't be disappointed. Um, whether he does that or not, I don't know. I'm not sure whether he's going to do that or not. Um, let's a, a couple of a couple of positives, just on a on a different note. Obviously, we've been very negative. I think Mason Mount for a couple of games now looks like he's he's becoming the player I thought we'd buy. We thought we bought, sorry, um, he impressed me against Galatasaray, one, one of a few. Hoyland again, absolutely superb. Um, one of the best, you know, out and out number nine performances I've seen for Man United for a long time in a in a mad game. Uh, and are you going to mention Ericsson too? I think when Ericsson came on, he, he actually changed the game, you know, he, he gave us a, a, another avenue. So he has got, he's got players there for me, what's available still. I mean, we've got a mad injury crisis, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a list which, you know, I don't envy that you know who's on that list, but we've still got a strong enough squad, and we've still got players there to be able to create problems for the vast majority of teams, you know, in England, um, who he's got at his disposal. So I think all he can do is go off who he thinks he's got his training better. He's you know he, he looks like they want to put the effort in. I think that's another the main thing too. Like I say, on a couple of the goals, and I've watched them back against Galatasaray. There's, there's midfield players and. Centre backs. I mean, the first goal when uh, Dallow got, you know, he got bullied off the ball. Let's be honest. Um, for Van, and I think it was Lindelof too. They just they might as well have walked back. They didn't make no attempt to, you know, cover the man in case he got beat. It, 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 for me, again, it was just very, very basic defending, and it's rather the, it's rather a lack of effort or a lack of discipline for me. Now, if they're not going to put it in, it they're going to keep showing this week in week out. They're going to have to work the team. And they're going to have to put other lads in. If they're not potentially, you know, as, as experienced or as, as good a players as what, what you'd like to think we've got in the first team, they, they've got to be dropped anyway. 
and get some lads in who's willing to put the shift in. Because believe me, a lot of a lot of football games are, can be won an effort and effort alone, which which we, we see a lot, you know. So yeah, that's that, that's all I've got about it, mate. And I think that's all they can do. Yeah. Um it does like back to the Brentford away game last season, and it's something that I've said a few times, like and it seems really, really silly. Um, and this squad should know it because they were the squad who went through this, you know, that, that putting in that effort, putting in those yards made the difference. And that should be, I would have thought, from that lesson, that's the basic thing that you need to do with a Manchester United team. You need to be putting in those odd yards. Like against Liverpool, all right, it made the difference. But you need to be doing that against every team because if you don't do it, you get battered because we don't have the quality. Even with the players that we brought in, you still need to be able to do that because teams are going to try harder even against the Manchester United team who are um, down on the look, who, who perhaps, you know, they're not on quality um, at the moment, good enough to qualify for the Champions League. Um, Phil, uh, Lee tried to be positive. I'm going to pull it back and be negative for a moment. I'll just read out to- Talking Tennis's latest comment. He says, Ericsson played well after coming on. Tenog was unlucky with going down to 10 men as, a, as Ericsson was not ideally suited in that moment where 2-2 was acceptable at 1-1. We had to change. No, I absolutely agree with you there, mate. Um, but yeah, in terms of being more pessimistic, um, you look at the fixture list in front. I know we're going to talk about Brentford in a moment, but the fixture list in front of that, because I mean, I remember I look back a couple of years ago when Mourinho was manager and the last game before the October international break, we played Newcastle and we're 2-0 down at home and we came back and Sanchez scored in the last minute. And that was at the time when everyone was saying Zidane was going to take over and Edra was sat next to him in, and Ed Woodward in the stands. And I don't know if you remember that moment, but um, and Sanchez, it was kind of like everyone was saying, oh, this might be the turning point and everything. But it seemed obvious that that was like a, a, a tiny sticking plaster, that things were going wrong. And it, I don't want to say... Don't want to sound too negative and say if we win tomorrow, it doesn't really matter. But you look at the running games afterwards, it's says Sheffield United away, and I know they just lost 8-0 at home, but you know that that doesn't mean anything. They'll probably probably win against us, you know like you know what I mean, the way that the fixture list goes with that. Copenhagen are going to come to Old Trafford and feel very bullish about getting a result. Even if United win that one, the City the game after. And you know what I mean? I, I've got this feeling, I was talking about it with Lee before, and I've said it on the other podcasts I've been on this week, I feel like even though it's really bad at the moment, I still feel like there's something else, like something catastrophic with the team that we've not seen yet. Um, you know, and we've used to seeing, to, you know, we've lost, we conceded six goals at City, we lost seven at, at Liverpool last season, we've scored, conceded five at home to Liverpool. You know what I mean? This is a team who can plummet to the lowest of lows, and I feel like, there's another of those before, um, before you know this washout moment. You know, I was talking the thing I was making the point I was making to to Lee is that you know United um, remember under Fergie with Keane, it took Keane going. This is a massive figure in United history. It took him going to be the catalyst for a positive change, and like you know, the, it felt like the storm was over and things started to get better after that. Um, maybe that's it's impossible to happen without the takeover. Do you know what I mean? Like a takeover happening soon and then three or four names going in in January, even if it leaves the squad live, if the squad's alleviated of the bad mood that's around, that that's what it's going to take for us to kick on. Um, do you think I'm being too pessimistic? Do you think that there's another low coming or do you think that 
it can't be as bad as what we've seen recently. Uh, it's in, it's interesting. I think obviously with um, the way things have started this season, um, for me, I can't really see um, anything changing anytime soon in terms of performances, results on the pitch, uh, takeovers. You know, I think we're just sort of going to be in a bit of a lull now for for um, a bit of a period of time, and and then you know when it gets to Christmas time, you're hoping then. You know, another bid comes in, or you know, we can maybe get a few players through the door to bolster the squad. Um, for me, I think as well. Just just when when we've been talking, I've just been thinking about it, and I think for me as as well, what a lot of our players don't seem to to realise and don't seem to have grasped, which is is crazy to me, is that you know every team that comes to Old Trafford or every team that you know rocks up to town to play Manchester United. They they want to beat Manchester United. That's their biggest game of the season. You know, everyone wants to, you know, have Man United as a scalp. Um, so they're going to be coming with the bit between the teeth, and you know that you're going to be in for a battle. You know that they're going to be putting 110% in. Um, so as I said, if you're not going to be, you know, on your game, technically, the minimum requirement that you've got to do is put a shift in and work your socks off and try your best to win them individual battles. And I think for me at this moment in time, when I watch the team, when I watch, you know, the last, you know, six, seven games, especially, okay, we've got injuries and we can feel sorry for ourselves a little bit with that. But no, you've got to stand up and be counted. And some of these players that are coming in, this is their opportunity now to to keep the place and to show the manager that they deserve to be in this team. Um, and, and it's just not been happening uh, on a regular basis. Too many players losing individual battles who shouldn't be. Too many players not putting the effort in um, to the requirements that that we we needed, um, so hence that is why we're we're sort of struggling results wise. But then Lee mentioned it before as well. I think the manager sort of needs to you know take a little bit of um, ownership on that as well. Um, when I watch us, I, I don't really see any patterns of play. I don't really see any sort of style of play that I'm, I'm sort of seeing on a regular basis i think sort of a lot of the time I, I see stuff and it just looks a little bit off the cuff Um, you know we mentioned there about amrabat playing at left back Um, he's a right-footed player and for me you know when you're playing at the back and you're switching the play quickly lee will tell you as a, as a fullback you want to be receiving a pass and it's only a small detail this but you know i i watch games and i see it and i think you know, you want to be receiving that on your back foot, which is a left back is your left foot and you're pushing the ball into the space, driving forward and you want to feed your winger. And I think because we haven't got players who are natural in them positions, and as we said about shoe-owning players in positions, we're not getting that fluidity with the team and we're having to sort of, you know, cut back inside and play and we're all pragmatic. It's, it's not the style that I think Ten Hag is trying to implement in the team and that's down to these little details of, for me as well, the midfield, I think we were sort of a little bit leggy in the midfield. There's not that energy there, which is what I mentioned, obviously, about Hannibal. You know, when he was in there, OK, the experience isn't there, but he'll run all day. He'll put a shift in. He'll he'll do the hard yards. He'll get up and down. Um, and for me, I would sacrifice that over um, experience at this moment in time because of where we are. Um, so so for me, I just think that, you know, the manager's got a difficult one with with, you know, does he put the younger players in and sacrifice getting a little bit of stick if it doesn't go right because of, you know, the more bigger names or the more experienced players or reputations? But for me, 
I would just throw all that out the window and, and, and bite the bullet and go, listen, you lads aren't performing. These young lads have shown the hunger, the desire. At least I know I'm going to get 100% effort. And what have you got to lose? At the end of the day, you know, we're not playing well enough to to sort of, you know, give some of these players a, a free pass and, 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 and be warranted a place in the team. Yeah. There are some players there that, I mean, obviously... A big quality gap, and some of them aren't good enough. But Dango played all right when he came on in the in the League Cup the other night. Um, obviously, Manu, we're all itching to see him play. Garnacho probably deserves his starting chance, even though when he has started this season, he looks a little bit lost. But he deserves that chance now. And Hannibal, I'm speaking as a supporter. I know you guys, you know, you already alluded to the facts earlier. But the thing that we see from you guys that we I say you guys as, as young players coming through the first team is that you're so used to that attitude against everyone who's played against you at youth team level. You're so used to everyone wanting United to be the scalp that you're already preconditioned to accept that that's the minimum that you've got to give on the pitch. So there is a compensation there. Yet, all right, when the quality is not that high, it, it, you know what I mean? The, the, that effort can maybe not count for a lot, but. Um, it still counts for for what we see in in the eyes of of the supporters, and I'm speaking for myself only personally that I'd rather I'm more forgiving of that if I see a youth team player giving his best, and I, I can forgive the lack of quality. I can't forgive a player who's got the quality but doesn't have the application. When I see it too often, it, it's you know we have seen that too often, unfortunately, and it, I don't think. It's a case of, you know, I think I'm fairly patient as a fan. I don't, as far as patient supporters go, I think I'm up there on the on the good scale of that. But I think you have to face facts. Um, and the facts are that these United players haven't won a league title. There's not been a league title won for 10 years. So they're not good enough to win league titles. Some of them who are at the club now might be, but they've got to get players better around them to be able to do that. And these players, are the ones who are there, who haven't won a title for so many years. They're not about to spring any miracles. I don't think it's fair for their careers as, as it is for the supporters. They've had the chance, and I think United want to progress. I think, every you know what I mean, it's a privilege to play for United. It's a privilege to be on that platform. And if you've proven that the time it hasn't worked out for you, I know that it's a difficult place to let go of, but their, their careers are only short as well, and surely they want to be remembered for having a positive contribution because it's not fair on those players as well that they're going to be remembered as players who just underachieved at United when they could go elsewhere and have really good achievements um, away from the burden. Because it's a massive burden for them as well, as we were talking earlier, not just Rashford, other players getting it in the neck as well. Um, Lee, um, come on to your first, talking about Brentford at the weekend. Pretty much a similar pattern to what we were talking about last week with Palace. You look at their season so far and you say, you know, they've not pulled up any trees. They run lucky up Forest, and Forest have been all right this season. They came full traveling with us again. They've always played well against us, Brentford. Um, it's not straightforward saying United are going to win this one, is it? I don't think any game straightforward in saying United is going to win with any team at the moment, Wayne, if I'm being honest, pal. Um, again, like Phil hit the nail on the head, and uh, I know my mic was muted there, but the, when Phil was talking, what I, what I was thinking, what what we used to get told uh, growing up was when people come and play against United, uh, even at youth level, it's their it's their FA Cup final. So every game 
you're playing a team what feels like they're in the FA Cup final. So you've got to bring yourself to that level. Every game, whether it be City, whether it be Burnley, whether you're playing Exeter in the Curling Cup, you know, you, you've got to you've got to bring yourself to a minimum requirement of, of, of realising, noticing that every single person or every team what comes up against you is going to put that extra 10% of effort in and they want to beat Man United. So it's a minimum that we, we accept that. And like I said, me and Phil grew up at the club, but it might be easier for us and have more knowledge about that because that's all we knew, um, you know, so... We, we was used to that and we got that got drummed into us and we, we kind of get that now with the guys coming in from different clubs and you know from, from foreign clubs and they might not really understand that yet but surely after after the start of the season what we've got is they're going to have to start understanding it you know we can't keep going through games where we're getting beat like as like I've mentioned a few times through lack of effort and, and, and lack of discipline um, and that for me against Brentford is going to be our undoing unless unless we we turn the effort around um, we've definitely got the quality on the pitch even with the injuries we've, we've got we've still got in our squad the, the depth in the squad the, the quality on paper to to do a number on Brentford but they're going they're going to have to be at it from the start and at it from the races or else you know it's it's going to be another another miserable podcast next Friday I suspect so yeah I, I can't really, I've not really got much to say about it there's not really much to say about the game um there's not much to pick up. It depends on what what the, the what team the manager picks. Whether he agrees with us, and probably ninety five percent of of the uh, the fan base were, you know, let's get the. I mean, it's hard to say. Let's get the defense sorted out because no matter what defense he puts out with what he's got available to him, it's nowhere near our strongest back four. Um, does he keep the keeper in? Or for me, the keepers had enough blunders now and enough cock ups for. For me, for, for me, and it might be a bit harsh for warranting, you know, getting left out the squad and putting is it Bayinder in? And let's have a look at Bayinder. Um, we can't keep letting players feel like they can, you know, keep getting away with having poor performances and going to be a cert for a pick. Then you know the next match, got to, if that's going to be the mentality of the players, then they're not going to be bothered if they've had an off day or you know, on a couple of days because they're going to think, well, I'm going to walk straight back into the team. But when you have that complacency, that that's that's going to be toxic for the team. So, yeah, for me, it hurts. But I know would drop to the bench. Um, I put Amrabat up in there with Casemiro, Dallow at left, Lindelof at right, and I don't know with Varane. Obviously, I'm, I think Varane is fit, and that's a big if. Um, he'll definitely start. Uh, and at the minute, I wrote at the side of him Maguire, but I'm just looking at Varane and Maguire as a two, and I'm thinking there's not much legs there whatsoever. Um, and I know Johnny Evans is pushing 35 now, but I think he's probably got more legs than Maguire. So, and he's been a much more aerial threat when he's played than Maguire seems. So, I don't know if I'm changing my mind with that. I'm thinking I'd, uh, I'd I'd put Evans in, and that's something. If you would have asked me, would have said that last season, I would have thought someone was uh, taking drugs. <laughs> I never thought he'd be back at the club whatsoever. But you know, he's, when when he's coming, he's, he's done well. You know, so um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I think in, until. Until we can get our back four back as you know, as a unit, as as, as Luke Shaw coming back and you know um, Martinez and Varane and Wambasaka or Dallow at right back and getting that core, we're, we're going to struggle against most teams because we're not settled. Uh, it's getting changed all the time, and we need that settled back four. Yeah, um, perfectly said, Lee. Um, there's a, a comment in there uh, from Talking Tennis. Um, cheers for the comments tonight, um, lad. It says, uh, my team for tomorrow, 
one Anana like De Hayden, 2011, he's still the future. Right back Evans, centre backs Maguire and Varane, left back Dallo, midfield Di- Diamond of Amrabat, Casemiro, Mount Bruno, up front Rashford and Hoyland. I mean, I, I'm not far away from that, Phil. I'm thinking, you know, maybe you put Amrabat at right back and then Hannibal in midfield and have Evans in place of Maguire. That's assuming that Varane's fit. And then the rest of it is is, is how I would go. Um, I mean, regardless of that, it's, it's a matter of confidence as well, not just the shape and and the players. It's um, the, the you know the confidence and and if they can really put in a shift, like you know we've been saying all along. But you know Evans and Hannibal at least give you that sort of core of you know understanding what it is like to be you know in Rashford, I guess. But he, he doesn't. He's not a worker in the same way. And that they gave you this, you know, Bruno at least is going to put the, the yards in Amrabat in his normal midfield position or or even from right back a more settled position for him in terms of being the balance on the right hand, hand side. Um, how do you see tomorrow going? I just think that we need to try Amrabat in the midfield. I think the, the last couple of games we've, we've sort of been overrun and, and sort of we haven't had the legs in there. And I think for him personally, I think he would benefit far more from being in that central position. I think that's that's exactly what we bought him for. Um, you know, him and Casemiro with with sort of Bruno um, needs to be tested just to, to see if that can be uh, something that, that works and we can move forward with. Uh, in terms of the back four, you know, it's, it's a bit of a uh, shambles at the minute with injuries and, you know, players, uh, you know, having to, to play in, you know, different positions than they probably would like to. So, yeah, I think, you know, the back four, you could maybe look at Dallow and, you know, probably Johnny Evans maybe coming in at full-backs. Uh, but for me, I just think we've got to uh, match the intensity and match the work rate of uh, Brentford because that, that's one thing that they always do. Um, regardless of results and performances, they always uh, come and, and put a shift in. Um, OK, the quality might be up and down from week to week with Brentford, but, you know, they, they work hard for the manager, they work hard for each other. Um, and I think, you know, that, that is the, the biggest thing, really, what we are lacking at the moment. Um, that cohesion, that, you know, working for your teams, you know, uh, work for your teammates, sorry. Um, I think that's massively lacking. So I would like to see uh, maybe Hannibal um, or one of the other younger players <clears throat> come in just for that sort of, you know, to, to freshen it up and just give us that little bit more uh, energy and exuberance, I think, you know, and the manager maybe does need to make a big call at to sort of wake a few of these players up and, and be like, I am, you know, able to make big calls like he's proven before because um, I think we've we've sort of fell back into that little bit of um, complacency and a little bit of some of these players, especially with the injuries that we've got, just, you know, regardless of performances, expecting to be, you know, picked. Um, so for me, it's, it's, you know, something's got to change and <clears throat> I hope the manager is bold and, and does make a... Um, a big decision like that because it, it certainly needs shaking up from from the last couple of games. Yeah, well, he's bold. Um, let's see if bold is best bad pun to end on. Um, but um, the lads are going to go and watch the rugby and hopefully have more positive results than what um, has been seen lately. Um, that's it for this week, guys. If you've enjoyed, if you can like and subscribe on the channel, if you are listening back on the audio podcast, if you can subscribe if you don't already. 
and leave um, a comment and oh, sorry, a review on the platform you're listening on. I'll just have one more comment before we, we head off. Um, KC, Obi Well, mate, he says, on and on, he's 27. Dave was 20 when he arrived. I'd expect a bit more, to be honest. I think Koval was the future, and maybe that's why there's buyback clause. Yeah, there's that in a few other players, isn't there? And I agree with you on an honor. Um, I, I, I don't think I'd take him out just yet, just because um, the team's so bereft of confidence. I, I'd still maybe give him a couple more games in there before you make the change and buy in there isn't. Um, he's not the long term, he's on long, and I don't know if it's undermining him. Um, too far, do you know what I mean? And it's it's very difficult situation. For, there's no right or wrong answer for Tenaga at the moment. There's such brittle confidence throughout the squad that no matter what you do, you're upsetting a player. And United are, you know, he's got to manage that the best way that he can. And I don't envy him at the moment. There's no transfer window until January, so you're left with these players for three months. You've got to manage it the best way that you can. And with an injury crisis, the list that United have got then. Um, it's not an enviable task um, and even a game against Brentford at home for Manchester United doesn't look straightforward um, but we will be back next week to discuss the outcome of that hopefully it'll be more positive than this one like Lee said although knowing my capabilities this week I'm sure to bring you down even if, even if we win 6-0 I'll find something negative to, to crow about uh, but yeah thanks for listening thanks for watching guys and we will be back next week Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.